0: Let's pray as we begin today's class. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for a brand new day. We praise you for your mercies, for your love. Uh, Lord, uh, great is your faithfulness. You are so faithful to us, even we are unfaithful, Lord. We thank you that in Jesus Christ we have life with you, Lord. um, So we praise you, and we pray that as we gather ourselves today for one more class, we pray that you, you would build us up, build up our faith. Lord, help us thinking about how we can cultivate the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, and that you would cause us to grow, Lord, in loving you more and loving one another more. Mm-hmm. For your glory, in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. So, welcome to one more week of the Spiritual Disciplines Core Class. Hey, Ashwin, come Ashwin, come Ashwin in. just in time. Welcome.
1: In. We're Uh, in the more intimate
0: seating. Yes. (laughs) By the way, I appreciate the arrangement. I hope you guys can make more questions. Uh. Yeah. I was just doing the welcoming, Ashwin. so uh, all of you guys welcome to this class. Today, actually, we're beginning um, a two-week look on how the spiritual disciplines flow out of our biblical spirituality. So how the spiritual disciplines flow out of our biblical spirituality. So, we've been talking about these spiritual disciplines, Uh, we exercise those in our lives for the purpose of godliness, and this will be manifested itself uh, in what the Bible calls fruit of the Spirit. Mm. Now, that's a very simple question, but I have to make it. Who knows here where in the Bible we go um, to learn more about the fruit of the Spirit?
2: Galatians.
0: Galatians Galatians 5, that's right. Uh, yeah, actually that's our plan today. We're going to uh, begin by considering the context of uh, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians. And then we will begin by, um, uh, we'll consider how these spiritual disciplines help cultivate fruit uh, of the Spirit. So these two, two points will be the major uh, sessions there, one and two, and we're going to unpack those. Uh, now we're going to begin by having a look on the context on uh, Galatians. And that's our first point, the overview uh, of Galatians and Paul's approach of works. Um, Let's read Galatians 1, um, verses 1 through 5. So before I go to chapter 5, we just have a look overall what's happening. If you turn there to Galatians 1, 1 through
2: 5,
0: I'm going to read this to us. Or, um, yeah, can I have someone reading to us? Yes, yes. 1 through 5.
2: Paul, an apostle, not from man, nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, to deliver us from the presence of evil is according to the will of our God and Father, to whom uh, be the glory forever and ever. Amen.
0: Amen. Yeah, so we can see here, just by the, the beginning, that Paul is greeting the church, and, uh, and this greeting is actually gospel-centered. So, our first point in there, uh, point A, is that Paul's message is based on the gospel's power. Gospel's power, and the gospel's power to save from the present evil age. That's what we see in there, and we can fill up the blanks, gospel and save. In verse 1, Paul first mentions that he was sent by Jesus Christ and God the Father, uh, who raised him from the dead. And then in verses 3 and 4, he declares grace and peace to them coming from God the Father and and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age. So it's on the basis of the deliverance talked about in verse 4 that Paul is able to write uh, what follows next in Galatians. Now, in chapter 2, Paul lays out the grounds for how they could truly be Christians. So, if you turn uh, to chapter 2, verse 16, it says, Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So, we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Um,
1: Josué, can I ask, what's the second blank in part uh, A there? Paul's message, uh, the first part, actually.
0: Yeah, so it's it's based on the gospel, gospel, gospel's power to save. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for the question. You guys got it? Yeah. Yeah. We, and we see that basically on the, just by the introduction, uh, on the way that Paul is greeting yeah. uh, them uh, and setting the ground, right? right? And now when we come to point B, we will see that, just as we read in Galatians 2:16, that justification is by faith in Christ. And I will have three blanks that actually, faith in Christ and not works. So justification is by faith in Christ, not works mm. um, you know if if any of us any of us sinners and impure would be justified before God who is holy and pure, it is only by faith in Jesus Christ um, and not by our works right? Now uh, you want to think more about like we being impure? and God being holy as we go through Leviticus 16 uh, this afternoon. Um, But it's interesting thinking that, yeah, justification is only by faith in Christ, not our works. Um, Even what uh, Paul writes in uh, still chapter 2, verses 20, maybe someone can read verses 20 through 21, in chapter 2 of Galatians.
3: I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, and the life I now live in the flesh and live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose.
0: Yeah, so here we can see that Paul is actually making a deep statement that if righteousness could be gained through the law, then Christ died for no no purpose. Uh, so, justification is by faith in Christ alone. Now, if you go to chapter 3, Paul teaches about the role of the Holy Spirit. The role of the Holy Spirit, that's, that's actually the uh, next point there, next session in the handout. Um, and actually, let's consider that question in point A. Uh, it says, are you trying to achieve your goal by, by human effort? And again, we are uh, keeping in mind the idea of works. Okay. Are you trying to achieve your goal by human efforts? But consider this question, if I could ask you guys to reflect. Does, does the fruit come as a result of our effort, or only as a result of the work of the Holy Spirit? What do you think? Does the fruit come as a result of our effort or only as a result of the work of the Holy Spirit? Good
2: question.
0: What do you think? The
2: result of the work
0: of the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think, I think as, you know, as the Holy Spirit works in our lives, So the good works are born, right? As we strive to glorify God in our lives, the Spirit's work in us uh, bears fruit in our lives. Even as uh, Paul says in in chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, he says, Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having began, begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfect by the flesh? So actually, through this verse, and if you guys keep reading there, we will see that the result comes by, by the work of the Holy Spirit, but the work of the Holy Spirit is like, a, uh, is presented in us through the fruit. So Paul is, is saying here uh, that we shouldn't just like sit back and, you know, be lazy. Um, but we should think about uh, the fruit that the Spirit is causing in us. Um, and we will consider in the, in the next uh, session there, which is the goal. What should be um, the goal when we think about the, the uh, spiritual disciplines and the fruit of the Spirit? Um, so what's the goal that Paul is talking about? Uh, Apart from Galatians, we can be helped with other uh, letters from, from Paul. So just flick some, uh, flip some pages uh, forward and turn to Philippians. Um, we're going to read in chapter 3 of Philippians. Actually, in verse 14, let, let me just read for us. 3.14, Paul says, I press on toward the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So see there that Paul is talking about the goal. And the goal is for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He is describing what what is the price, right? The upward call. But what do you think is the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus? What would you say, guys? What is the price? Is
3: that Philippians 3, verse
0: 10? Yeah. Good, good job, Edwin. Actually, actually, uh, verse 10 will give us the uh, um, more, more, more explanation, right? The overall goal of Paul is that he may gain Christ. That he may gain Christ. And actually, he elaborates in verse 10, if you guys read... Uh, 10 and 11, he's going to say that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Yeah? So Paul actually understands that his pursuit of this goal is empowered by Jesus Christ alone. And because it is Jesus who first made Paul his own you might look into verse uh, verse uh, 12 when Paul says that um, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and strengthening forward to what lies ahead. Um, sorry, verse 12, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. So Jesus is the source of his strength and his goal. There is an author, he says, he says like, like this, Clinging to him is our duty, but it is his work. It's our duty, but it's his work. The Holy Spirit is working through Paul in the same way that the Spirit works through us uh, today. And this is our upward call our duty, and his work. Now, as we consider the upward call, you can turn the page of your handout. Come on Hey, Serena. Good morning. Serena, come on over here.
1: This, uh... You have that spot.
0: Yes. We're just uh, talking about how cultivate the fruit of the Spirit and how um, Paul sets the ground in the book of Galatians. Um,
1: okay. um,
0: Michelle is coming here as well.
1: Yeah, I'm okay.
0: I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, happy to see like the... We need more space. Michelle can space. sit in so there.
1: Gonna, I was going to let Michelle sit by you. Yeah. But she can sit on the other <laughs> side, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. It's good for us to be together. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've never done Serena
0: to buy You guys, you guys got a handout? All right. Okay, you can get one there. You can keep one for Michelle. Hey, Michelle. Good morning. Come on in. Come in. Yeah. Make sure to have your handout. We... We're actually on page two, on the top of page two. Um... We just reveal a couple of verses in the book of Galatians and how Paul is teaching about, um, about the approach to works. And then we've been talking about how the works is actually a result of the Holy Spirit in us. Um, we've seen that Paul's message is based on the gospel to save. We've seen that justification is by faith in Christ and not by works. And now we've been talking about what is the goal um, of our faith. So if you turn all to the, the second page of the handout um, on the point numbers, uh, letter C, we talk about the upward call. Um, so, you know, spiritual fruit evidences his presence within us. We are saved by faith in Christ, yes. Uh, so we are now motivated by the relationship that we have with him. And we are even further motivated by God's promise that we are being progressively changed more and more into Christ's image. Right? So we talked about that just in the beginning of our class, like a couple of weeks ago, that uh, our change is we have in two movements, once and then it's progressive. So uh, in this progressively change, we are re- reminded of God's promise. Um, that shape us more and more in Christ's image. Uh, now let's move to uh, Galatians 5, where we can actually see more about the fruit of the Spirit. And you can turn there and keep your finger at um, verse 16. Actually, uh, yeah, can, can I have someone reading that for us? We're going to read through 16 to 26. So let's read like loudly and boldly for us to set uh, understand that's right I'll read it. All right okay
1: Galatians 516 to 26 but if uh, excuse me but I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to one another to keep you from doing the things you want to do. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another.
0: That's it, right? Yeah, that's it. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, you know, here we have the the idea of fruit uh, being displayed by by Paul. And actually, fruit is the image that we are familiar with, right? Uh, The kind of fruit that a tree... Uh, bears, say, says something about that tree, right? And the fruit also says something about the conditions that uh, have combined to contribute to the growth of, of that tree. Now, the point is, everyone bears fruit, but the question is, are we bearing fruit of the flesh or of the spirit? Um, And that's the question for our reflection as we now meditate on the fruits of the Spirit. Um, And, uh, you know, today's class, we are going to talk about four of them, and then we'll continue in the next week's class. Uh, So we are considering now the first aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, which is love. And we're going to make our way through um, joy, peace, and patience. Now, we're going to talk about what each of these aspects is not and what it is and how we can cultivate each one of these aspects of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives as we uh, seek to to grow, to be more and more like Jesus. So first, now we're going to talk about love. And first is what love is not. Uh, Let me ask you guys uh, to contribute here. How, How does our culture... Often describes love, which is not biblical, but w- what, what do we see in the world when you talk about love? What do you think? Emotions, feelings. Emotions, feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do you think? Especially that, yeah.
2: <laughs> 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 love symbol. Lots
0: of, yeah. yeah <laughs> symbology, yeah. Uh, yeah, we act, you know. We actually, we actually see that in our culture, love is going to be defined by you know, tolerance and acceptance. Of course, like involved with feelings, but yeah, just um, accept people, especially like the way they are uh, and talk about tolerance in a way of like, okay, just let them living um, in the way that, you know, they choose to live their lives, which is like even leading to uh, eternal death. Now, I think what we see in the Bible is that love is not liberalism, right? It's not, uh, it's not liberal. It's actually both how we approach others and how we approach God. That's what love is. We often try to redefine love but uh, by what our thoughts are, but, you know, praise God that love is not defined by our character, uh, because we need the Spirit um, to know how to love others and how to love God. Um, turn there to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. That's the verse you have as reference in your handout. Um, and let me read to us verses 4 through 7. 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. You know, this is a famous passage about love. And Paul, and Paul teaches uh, in this way. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So just by studying this passage, we'll see first, we'll see a couple of things. First, that Paul says that love is not envious. And this can also mean that it's not jealous for what does not belong to you. It's not covetous, as we read in in the Old Testament. That's the first thing. Second thing we'll see, Paul says that love does not boast and it isn't prideful. It's not prideful. I think the question for us to meditate here is, do you boast in anything other than the Lord? And what kind of things do we boast in? So let me encourage you to ask yourself how that boasting is actually showing love to God and to others. Um, you know, thinking about love, John describes a lot in his letters. Um, and he describes about the boasting and prideful attitude of the world by saying uh, in first John 2 16, he says this for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Third point that uh, I think Paul is explaining in that passage about love is that love is not rude. And here I have, again, a couple of questions that you can ask yourself as, as you think about uh, love in your life. Um, are you considerate? Like, do you consider the feelings of others? Are you selfish? Are you quick to let someone else's interest impose on your schedule? Are you easily angered? Do you, do you have a selfish motive with any particular co-worker uh, as you cut him off or as he cuts you off? Or even, do you have a kind of checklist of all the wrongs your family or your friends uh, they have committed um, against you? Uh, Those are ways of thinking not as love as the Bible teaches. And finally... Love doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Uh, The question for us to meditate is, do we love evil? Do we love sin? And I think here is a point when you talk about the difference between love mentioned in the Bible and love mentioned in the world. Uh, We shouldn't love evil. We shouldn't love sin. Although that's that's how our hearts are. If you read in Psalm 52:3, it says that our hearts love evil more than good, lying more than speaking what is right. But let's consider now what love really is, um, and that's point B under session three: love, what love is. Uh, turn now to uh, First John. You can go there to the book of 1 John, chapter 4. and We're going to read in chapter 4, verses 7 through 12. Actually, if you see the whole session from 7 up to 21, John is talking about love. Uh, But let's read half of it, 7 through 12, if someone can read to us.
3: to be the propitiation for our sins. Hmm. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us.
0: Yes, it's okay. okay. Thank you, brother. Yeah, so John is actually uh, uh, teaching us here, and we can see that this part of the Spirit, of the fruit of the Spirit, is seen, it's visible most clearly in outward expressions toward others. Particularly how we love fellow believers, right? Um, So Jesus said that the world knows that we are his disciples if we have love for one another. That's what he says in John uh, chapter 13. And also the Bible teaches that we are to love our neighbors, Uh, We are to love our enemies. And how we could ever do that if not by the Spirit? Um, So that's what is love. And then let's now consider how we cultivate this kind of love in our life. Uh, And that's point C under love, how to cultivate. We already saw in Galatians that... uh, Paul sets a good example for us in how he cultivated his love of others. So we should do it in the same way. And also, of course, we should uh, meditate on the great love that we know. That as sinners, we've been saved by the wrath, from the wrath of God um, by Christ. So we saw before in Galatians 2, 20, it says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. But Christ who lives in me and the life I know, I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, this is a verse that I think we should really uh, work to memorize, uh, to facilitate the ability to meditate on this truth. Uh, you know, meditating on the love of God for us in Christ should make our life overflow um, in love toward our brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, And this should result in humility, um, in giving up of ourselves for others, for their good, and for the glory of God. Um, And we also learn to love others when we have a vested interest or a beneficial interest in their good. Um, So let's reflect on these points. Do you want to see others prosper spiritually? Spiritually, sorry. Do you want to see others prosper spiritually? Do you want to see them grow? Do you long to, uh, for those in our church to fight their sin with the gospel? And do you love God? Do you love the church and others? This is how we love one another and how we love God. So let's be reminded to pray. Um, to grow for one another, for the church, uh, and for God. You know, even uh, the next two aspects of the fruit uh, of the Spirit, we're going to see joy and peace, are thought to have been closely attached to love as part of a kind of a triad, uh, love, joy, and peace. Um, but let's now consider the, the, the next uh, uh, fruit with, with is which is joy. Um, yes, questions?
3: So um, on the question B, what is love? Yep. I'm wondering, so what is love?
0: Yeah.
3: I'm not, so verse, 1 uh, John 4, the passage you read, 7 to 12, verse 8 says, yep. God is love. Yep. And so some people are asking, does it mean that what is love, love is God?
0: What is is love? Yeah. Uh, I think um, I think this passage helps us uh, to maybe, it's not a proper definition or a a straightforward definition, but it helps us uh, to understand what what it is. I think here John is saying that, you know, God is love, um, and then what what this should mean for us as we live out, you know. Uh, that's why I believe when we think about expressing love in outward expressions, you know, loving loving each other. Um, you know, I think as, as we think about loving our neighbors and loving our enemies, there might be different approaches. Like, um, I think when Jesus is teaching, like, for us to love our enemies, um, he is... He is saying that, you know, he sacrificially died for us and we were enemies of God. Um, But then through his death and resurrection, we became friends uh, of of him. So I think loving towards enemies, I think, is a kind of love that you share the gospel with them, you know, because you wanted them to be uh, to be saved. Um, I don't think it has to do with expressions, as you said before, maybe what we think like feelings, you know, feelings. um, but I think we, ex- we exercise this in many ways, even as we think as a church, you know, in our church covenant, that we say that we pray for one another, we bear each other's uh, burdens. Uh, I think those, I would say, some practical ways what, God, what love is. So I'm just like combining like what I would say what love is and how love is exercised. I don't know if that's helpful. Yeah, it is. Does
3: it also agree with um, what Jesus says when he says, uh, "If you love those who love you, of what reward is that to you?" Even tax collectors do that. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute yeah. you. So, an uncommon love, love that is not like the way the world loves.
0: Yes. Yeah, I agree. I do, I do agree. I think I think that's, that's the love uh, um, taught in the gospel uh, that makes us like different. Another good, another good de-
1: definition. From John in the same book, First John is three sixteen, which is kind of helpful to remember. Yeah, John three sixteen. It's First John three sixteen. Yeah, they're both really important verses. Yeah, by this we know, comma, that he laid down his life for us. Yeah, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. Yeah, so I think it's saying, like you said just that what is love love is defined for the christian by how god has uh what god has done for us in christ Mm. so not treated us according to what we deserve
0: Mm. Mm. yeah is that helpful edwin thanks for the question Uh, i think it's a very important i think there might be a reason why Paul puts love as the first one, right? Uh, so it's good for us to meditate on this truth.
1: I guess, you know, in terms of like, you're saying when other people... You know, if you love those who love you, then mm. what, how is that different than mm. um, the pagans, let's say? Yeah. <laughs> that in a loving community, you won't, because there's lots of love going around, you know, mm-hmm. Serena's treating me really kindly and lovingly and patiently, and so it makes it easy for me to respond that way. But um, right. But the moment, the moment I um, am mean to Serena, uh, that's when it'll really, the proof of um, Serena's love mm. will show up show, yeah. when she continues to treat me kindly and and
0: I promise not to treat you. <laughs> in <the future>. So <laughs> you mean if it, even if the situation is not like to love. <laughs> yeah. Thank you guys for the insights. I think that's very helpful. Um, let me press us on uh, to the next one which is joy. And you know I think joy is you know, this time of the year we keep talking about Christmas and then we celebrate, we sing we sing songs about joy, you know. Leah, Leah likes very much the song like Joy Joy to the World and she's all the time saying joy, joy, like to put the, that song there to play. Uh, but let's think like what is really joy. Let's start by understanding what joy is not, you know. Um, and I think it might be very similar to what we've been talking about, love. You know, Christian joy is not simply the absence of trouble. Um, or it doesn't mean that jo- uh, joy is the absence of pain or suffering. Um, but the way that, the, our, that our culture defined happiness uh, is also a distortion of what true joy is. Now, sometimes, sometimes what the world believes uh, about happiness displays a glimpse uh, of true joy. Um, As an author says, he puts like this, joy is not so much happiness as contentment. Joy is the ability to take good cheer from the gospel. It is not, therefore, a spontaneous response to some temporary pleasure. It does not depend on circumstance at all. You know, so that makes me think of like Brian just said, like the, the circumstance... Makes you like a loving someone or being joyful. you know here is saying that joy doesn't depend on the circumstance. Another author uh, he says that joy is not a joy that comes from earthly things or cheap triumphs. still less is it the joy that comes from triumphing over someone else in rivalry or competition so Friends, we have to guard our minds and our hearts from making the idea of joy uh, into a subject, subjective feeling that mysteriously blows whenever, uh, whatever the wind wishes. You know, that's not joy that comes like a, uh, out of nowhere. But joy is at the cross-section of where our wills affect our emotions. So, I, I, again, I think very similar to what we talk about love. But let's see what joy really is. Uh, you can turn uh, the page, um, and then we have some Bible uh, verses, references there. You can turn to 1 Thessalonians four, thirteen. 13. Um, and as you turn there, let, let me just say that Paul reminds the Galatians that we, we saw before, he reminds them of the joy found in the fruit of the, of the Spirit so that those Galatians might understand the choices before them when they face trials uh, of every, every kind. Uh, so you can see, you know, you face sorrow with or without hope. Right? Um, we're going to face sorrows. The thing is do we face it with or without hope? And godly sorrow is mixed with joy. Now, this is a difficult truth, partly because of our sin, of course, which has broken this world. Um, Since we we haven't been glorified yet, our joy will be mixed with sorrows here until Jesus comes. Uh, But our hope is that Christians can face sorrow with joy only because of the gospel. Um, So, as you turn there to uh, Thessalonians, maybe someone can read verse 13 of 1 Thessalonians.
2: Yes. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve, as others do who have no hope.
0: Yeah. We do not want you to be uninformed about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others uh, do who have no hope. That's the difference of grieving with hope, grieving without hope. As Christians, we do have a great hope. And this is the source of our joy. Paul describes uh, the Christian hope as the riches of the glory of Christ in us. He calls this the hope of glory in Colossians. Um, So our certain hope is that we have Christ and that we will be glorified with Christ. Um, Paul even writes this in Titus, uh, chapter 2, 13. He says uh, that we are waiting for our blessed hope, which is Christ's return. Our blessed hope that we are waiting is the return of Jesus. He says, we're waiting for the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So the Christian life is one that consists of continual repentance. So it's no surprise that this is the main end of sorrow. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10, it says, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. So godly grief produces repentance that leads to salvation without regret. So as Christians, we have a joy even in the midst of life um, with trials and troubles, especially Because those things will remind us of our sin, and they will point us to our need of a Savior, and that we have a Savior in Jesus Christ. Um, So that is uh, for us to reflect about what joy is, especially in the context uh, of this world, until we wait Jesus' return. but how we cultivate it, how we cultivate joy—that that's the uh, the second, the, the third point in our session of under um, joy. How we cultivate it. Uh, so we just talked about setting our hope in God alone. So set your hope in God, in, in Christ alone. Nothing else can satisfy. There is one author that he has noted that hope is implied by joy. Even though it isn't listed separately in Galatians to be part of the fruit of the spirit, uh, so yeah, if you read Galatians five, there is no mention of hope, uh, but it's interesting to think that hope comes along with, uh, with, with joy, and this is even clear uh, to see from what Paul writes in other letters. So, for example, in Romans fifteen, uh, in verse thirteen, he says like this: "May the hope, may, may the God of hope." fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. And you know, another way to cultivate joy in our lives is to have the desire to be built up in the knowledge of God in Christ. Um, John the Baptist, um, in his words, Recorded in John chapter 3, he talked about how the very voice of Christ completed his joy. Um, And we have the words of Christ in the scriptures. Our joy is complete in the word of God and in the gospel. Um, And let me encourage you guys, like even the way that you've been like looking to grow by like gathering together um, in the church and here, you're looking to know more about God in scriptures and about Christ. Uh, and this is the way that we can look for the joy and the hope that is set in the scriptures. Um, but So joy can be experienced individually. And here we can see that like love we saw before, joy is meant to be shared with others corporately, So it, especially as a church. Um, so there's a question for us to, to meditate on. Uh, who, when they receive a great blessing, keeps it all to himself or herself? If I have a great blessing, should I keep for myself? When all hope seemed to be gone, God provided salvation for those who trust in Christ. So how could we keep that silent if we have that great hope in Christ? We saw, we saw there in First uh, John uh, that this kind of expression is how John wrote that he was making his joy complete by writing of the great truths to the church. So godly joy also feeds back to our love. And that's about joy. Yeah, uh, any questions you guys have? You guys have any comments about this session on joy? Or even maybe something about it? Review sessions
3: the same second, second Corinthians chapter six, verse ten says, Um, it says, A soul who yet always rejoicing. So, I think that is also significant. Like, mm-hmm. you just said, joy in Christ, not about not so being so you know, suffering? It's always rejoicing, regardless of the circumstances. Do you think that
1: yeah. that verse? 2 Corinthians 7.10 should actually be 6.10. I feel like it should be. Because if you look at seven, yeah, it says, for godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. I don't really understand how that... Comes. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I, th- I think it makes sense. I think 6.10 is more straight to the point about... So, uh, being joyful in the midst of sorrows. Um,
1: was 710, do you think 710 was supposed to be listed there?
0: I, well, I think so. It's talking about, you know, um, I think it's talking about, you know, uh, the, the godly grieving, grieving producing repentance that leads to salvation. But just as a matter, like, uh, I think that we will just endure Uh, in the midst of sorrows. I know this is not straight to the point, but uh, uh, maybe that's the reason why this verse was there. Although 610, I think, is more clear.
3: And 710 to has without regret, so kind of satisfied. Yeah. Despite their content.
0: Yeah, the satisfying part. Yeah, if you read, uh, godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas godly grief produces death. Yeah. But yeah, I think uh, chapter 6, verse 10 is quite helpful there, Edwin. Uh, Yeah. Good point. Other questions? Two more to go. Peace and patience. So um, peace is the next fruit. What peace is not? Let let me consider this question to you guys. Uh, What's the first thing that comes to mind when you hear the word peace? What do you think?
2: Calm.
0: Calm. Okay.
1: I think of the opposite, war.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe no war. No. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think, yeah, no war or calm. But biblical peace is not only defined in the terms of, let's say, stopping troubles or war, for instance. Uh, I think this is one aspect, yes, uh, but it's more active than the passive stopping of something. So when conflict arises, like war, We cannot just wish it away. We have to deal with it in our own lives and even as we see in the world. Uh, You know, Jesus, our Lord, is called the Prince of Peace. And yet, he didn't, like, snap his fingers uh, and every evil magically stopped. Um, He fought for peace, and he bled for peace. So peace in the mind... And peace in the spirit are physical, and physical peace is achieved by actively fighting evil with the gospel. So, peace is not necessarily like the absence of war. Um, Physical peace is achieved by actively fighting evil with the gospel. And that's what we consider as we think about what peace is. And uh, it might be helpful if you turn our Bibles to Romans we'll read uh, first chapter 14. And uh, actually, we'll read verses 17 and 18 in there. You know, when when you think about peace, as you turn in there, there is a commentator that says that joy and peace are spiritual twins. Uh, Like, they're all together. And Paul uh, wrote this in Romans 14, that the kingdom of God is composed of joy and peace. So maybe someone can read in chapter 14, verses 17 and 18.
1: 17 and 18. Yes. Um, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men.
0: Yeah, so we see there, especially verse 17, uh, peace and joy and joy in the Holy Spirit. They come together. So since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. As we are justified by faith, we have have, uh, peace with God through Jesus Christ. And that idea comes in Romans 5. If you read the chapter, um, it is those who have been reconciled with God uh, through Christ who have the greatest reason to rejoice in God. And it's because believers have experienced the peace of God in Christ that also they can become peacemakers. Right? Jesus says that uh, when he teaches in Matthew 5 about Beatitudes. In verse 9 he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So God is a God of peace. And it is because believers have been adopted as sons uh, and daughters of the living God that they can display this fruit of peace to others uh, in the church and in the world. So we can display the fruit of peace. And we see what peace is clear, clearly by the way that Paul described that peace is achieved through justification by faith alone in Christ alone. So the only uh, way that we can cultivate peace, um, again, is by firmly being rooted on where peace comes from, which is from God and the gospel. Peace with God because of the love of God is part of the foundation of our joy. Um, if you just flip some uh, pages back to uh, chapter 5 in Romans, um, Let me read for us verses 1 through 5. Romans 5, 1 through 5, it says, Therefore, we have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into his grace, in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, but God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So, you know, friends, any glimpse of peace here and now is actually a glimpse of what is yet to come when all things will be made new on that day that Jesus returns. So our reconciliation with God and when another now points forward to a day when joy and peace is everything that we will know um, in, in eternity. So this is how peace is cultivated in our lives. Um, I think some encouragements here, set your mind upon the peace offered to us in Christ. Uh, and also set your mind upon the love of God for us in Christ um, to cultivate peace in our lives. I think this is what um, we will cultivate as a quiet spirit, maybe as you guys said about calm, uh, as we set our mind Uh, In Christ. And perhaps this is how we can overcome our fears by fearing Him, God, who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Uh, So we should do this instead of fearing those who can kill the body but cannot kill uh, the soul, as we learn in Matthew 10. Right. uh, Well, Let us move to the last aspect of the uh, fruit of our class today. As I mentioned, we're going to have the remaining five ones next week, but now we're going to talk about patience. Um, I'll just move, and then if you have more questions, we talk to the end. We'll discuss about patience. And first, what patience is not? Uh, Now, I think similarly to what we're talking about, we may relate to uh, uh, the appearance of long-suffering with patience. It's like someone that is like, suffering for so long, which not necessarily is patience. Um, that uh, the, the, the people that we think are the most patient, eventually, uh, in the world, maybe actually uh, they're going to be the least long-suffering of all. And even if if we think about things in our day-to-day, like imagine like the guy uh, in the bus or in the plane that waits for everyone to exit um, before he, uh, not necessarily he is a patient man. Patience is expressed in action, but it is a primarily condition of the heart. That's what patience is. Is is expressed in action, but it's a primarily condition of the heart. I think it's also like peace and joy in this way. Uh, The source of true long-suffering is God's long-suffering. And the motive of patience is the gospel itself and the desire to visibly display the, uh, the affect of the gospel on our attitude and our affections. Uh, but if you think about impatience, it's also important that impatience is expressed in our tendency to not trust in God and in his providence and trying to take things into our own hands, uh, which is the opposite of patience as a fruit of, of spirit. Um, when Paul uh, exhorted uh, Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 2, he says, "Preach the word. Be ready in season and out season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching." I think this is a way that we can see patience being applied, uh, and it drives us to think what patience really is. Um, so you can turn to the last back page of the handout, and then we're going to turn. You can turn your Bibles to Exodus 34 we're going to reflect on how we can see uh, patience, patience as uh, an attribute of God. You can turn to Exodus 34, we're going to read verses 6 and 7. You know, let me just say that you know, patience always has the meaning of steadfastness or long-suffering built uh, into it. And this often takes place in the face of persecution and trials, like for us to be patient even though uh, things are not all right. But as God is patient with us, we should be patient with our, in our circumstances, right? Um, because we should think that patience is an attribute of God. So if you're there in Exodus 34, maybe someone can someone read for us 34, 6 through 7?
1: Six and seven. Yes.
0: Oh. Yes. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, I think we can see in those verses again God's patience. Um, that that should have the effect of bringing thankfulness out of our hearts. Thanks to God that He relented from pouring out His wrath on us before we could repent. So that shows like His patience with us, and that should motivate thankfulness that there is still time to share the gospel with others, that they may repent before uh, there is time. Um, Paul puts a question, it's a rhetorical question in Romans 2, uh, verse 4, that there is just a reference there, let me read for us. It says, uh, Do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? I think here again we see the idea of like uh, God, God's attribute, like to lead us to repentance. Um, you know, apart from Christ, we are God's enemies, um, and God's wrath is being kept for those who will not repent and believe. Um, and this isn't because He is like readily wrathful. Uh, wrathful, there is a reason, um, and the reason is that we. As sinners, we attacked, it. We attacked God. In the uh, book of Psalm, chapter 2, verse 2 says, uh, The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers that, uh, take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed. So we see the language of attacking, uh, we against God. So our hearts claim to be uh, the king's, we claim the rights of the kings, um, and in our sin, we have tried to take over God's rule and authority. That's who we are and why we need a Savior uh, that helps us with the Holy, the Holy Spirit to grow. Um, and as we think in the last point, how we cultivate patience, um, We have some Bible verses in there. Let me just say that, you know, I think patience is is a large part of how we persevere. So there is a connection with perseverance in our faith to the very end. Um, You see that our next, uh, our last uh, class is uh, is on perseverance. Uh, So I think we can relate already uh, some of those points. But as we exercise patient endurance in the face of wrongs, Without anger or taking vengeance, we persevere in the gospel. So we are patient because we trust in God. And Paul urges us to leave out our faith in terms of patience towards one another and toward all people, um, because we cannot cultivate patience alone by ourselves. We need relationship. So in Ephesians four. Um, Verses 1 and 2. Um, Ephesians 4 1 and 2, it says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Also, the source of the fruit of, of this uh, patience is directly from the Holy Spirit. Um, if you turn to Colossians, I think I will have someone reading for us. Colossians 1, 11, and 12. As we think, as patience, as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. If you got there, maybe you can read for us.
2: Being is with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light.
0: Mm. Yeah, for all endurance and patience with joy. So patience is active. Um, and we can see this in this text, and even in Hebrews, Hebrews six eleven says, And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be uh, sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Um, so let me just put a question for you guys as we think about patience and also about the, this fruit and all fruit of the Spirit. As a church, how do you think um, we can incorporate expression? Uh, how can the corporate expression of this fruit of the Spirit be seen especially as we gather as a church? What do you think? I think maybe similar to the question that you did before, Edwin, but you think about love Think about patience. Uh, think about peace and joy. As a church, how can the corporate expression, uh, the corporate expression of this fruit, be seen in us? What do you think?
1: I think one way is. Uh... I know that when I'm impatient, then I tend to get angry. And so the more that anger is expressed in our relationships with one another, the more probably, at least for me, I know I'm probably being impatient.
0: Hmm. Um, And you mean even in a way that as a corporate this will be expressed.
1: Yeah, so again, yeah, the more, the, more, the more that there's anger that pops up in our congregation right. against one another yeah. means that there's less patience.
0: Yeah, yeah, impatience, yeah. yeah. Mm.
3: Also, I see um, the corporate gathering as a test of the fruit of the spirit. Mm. If I stay home and I say I love, I love, but I'm not in a relationship. I don't know how much I love, right? mm. when I was single I used to say I love so much, it's so easy for me to love. When I got married, I was like maybe I don't love as I, as I used to think. Mm. <laughs> so being in the church gathering is <clears throat> is being in a place where my love for God is tested. Mm. So being in challenges, having a problem with someone, I, I should see it like an opportunity to mm. grow in love and ask God to help me to love.
0: Mm. That's yeah, great. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I think even as we think again about our our covenant, uh, the one another things, you know, uh, again, when we say we will bear each other's burdens, I think it's a way that we are uh, being patient with one another and maybe extending love to one another. Uh, when we talk that we will rejoice with one another, uh, you know. I think it's a way that we do this corporately, as a church. Uh, so as we seek to grow in the image of Christ, we're going to do this like in our spiritual disciplines, but we want to see this expressed in our life individually, but as, as a church as well. Yeah. any questions from you guys like overall um, about maybe patience or about the, the content?
3: Just a comment as yep. well. So I, I did not know or see how the gospel was connected to all this. But seeing how this is connected to the gospel helps me see how this is connected to the life of the church. To apply this fruit, um, to apply all of this, if you're living out the gospel, it's easy to, to apply love, joy, peace, just thinking constantly on the gospel.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think yeah, I, it might be easy for us to see, like, love as a component of the gospel. Uh, but, yeah, somehow, you, I, that maybe that's what you mean, that every other fruit is, is part of it, right? Uh, well, so when,
1: and, and they're produced by the presence of the
0: Spirit at work in us, yeah. not apart from our
2: work, um, hmm. but, but we we do strive. We, t- we
1: you know we we spend time in the Bible. We spend time in prayer and confession. We serve. We uh, share the gospel. All those things are steps we take, and the Holy Spirit works in us to produce that fruit. Yeah. But the Holy Spirit is only there because we've repented and
0: believed. Um, As a result of the gospel, like, right, believing right, the gospel, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's helpful. And well, you know, as we think about like persevering in, in these things, like in love, in joy, in peace, in patience, we'll see how these things are connected even with the other fruit uh, that we're going to see next week. Now, maybe you guys realize that the word fruit is singular, it's not the fruit. So that's why I'm talking about like the aspect of the fruit of the Spirit. But yeah, I do hope and pray that this lesson uh, was helpful for you to understand more about like how these spiritual disciplines assist our biblical spirituality, uh, and how God, being being sovereign, will use these spiritual disciplines in our lives to cultivate fruit in the spirit. Uh, so, if you're asked what is um, spiritual fruit, uh, you will know that the whole the Holy Spirit's work in the life of a Christian is the fruit, right? We do not possess this naturally, um, but the Holy Spirit works out in us as we follow hard after Christ. Um, so yeah, next week we're going to be looking uh, in the next five aspects of the Fruit of the Spirit. So I hope you come and join us uh, as well, especially as we make our way uh, through the end of this uh, class in the next two weeks. Mm-hmm. Any final comment? Otherwise, we'll pray for us. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, praise you that through the gospel um, you saved us. You caused us to repent from our sin and uh, put our faith in Jesus, in his life and his death and resurrection. And you poured out on us your Holy Spirit, Lord. So, so that we could grow in the image of our Lord Jesus uh, more and more, Lord. We pray that you would help us in this exercise. Help us to uh, show love and joy and peace and patience towards the church, towards the world, Lord, and actually all the fruit. We pray that um, you help us to be faithful as we exercise that. Uh, We pray that you would help us to grow, Lord, uh, more and more. Uh, until the day that you return and, uh, and make us whole uh, to live with you. Uh, we praise you that it's by grace alone that we are saved, um, but we pray that you help us uh, to show good works as, as a fruit of the Spirit dwelling in us. In Christ's name, for your glory we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.